But I still remember like seeing it on site and the guys using it, and I'm like, you know, that's that's what I want to do, you know. So um, do you remember this afterwards? No, no, I don't, oh, they were using SolidWorks at the time, but right. I remember like that time when I saw it and I, and I didn't know about Autodesk Inventor or any of those at the time. I just knew that I wanted to do that for a job because I have a yeah. really creative mind, right? So, you know, and it's hard to draw things on pieces of paper and I kind of knew that was my outlet to put what I had to offer, which was absolutely nothing at the time, yeah. uh, out to the world and how I was going to like create things with, with my mind and, and, and put them out there. This is Inspiring Design where unique innovators come together to share their knowledge, share their insight, and keep us up to date with the latest industry trends. And here's your host, Rushan Senanayak. Welcome, everyone. It's great to be back for another episode of Inspiring Design with yours truly. Today, we're going to deep dive into the design and manufacturing workflows and understand the details of how something comes to life, concept to construction. So today I have the privilege of speaking with Nathan Rice, the visionary director of iFab Steel. Nathan transformed his company from a small workshop into a cutting edge enterprise over just a few years with a substantial and now dynamic workforce. Nathan's unwavering focus on integrating technology such as augmented reality and his dedication to progress have solidified iFab Steel's reputation as a pioneering force inspiring other entrepreneurs, pushing boundaries in advanced manufacturing, and really building some cool projects. So without further ado, let's get straight into it. All right, Nathan, welcome to Inspiring Design. Thank you for having us in your workshop. This is great. Yeah. Um, seeing the ropes and everything like that. But before we get into the details, I want to know about you. Yeah, sure, mate. Well, What's firstly, uh, thanks for having me on the program, mate. It's Pleasure. Uh, pretty exciting for me. So. Um, all right, my background. So I'm a Sydney boy, uh, a Bankstown boy, uh, born and raised. I uh, went to school uh, at Trinity College in uh, Auburn, which was a really, really good school. Mm -hmm. um, I guess I was always interested in subjects like the more elective type ones, like power mechanics and woodwork and also science. And I did pretty well at those subjects as well. So I kind of always knew that I'd be some kind of tradesman in mm -hmm. my life. Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't know what uh, profession I'd go into, but I kind of always knew I'd be doing something with my hands. So I was always like ripping things apart, putting them back together, like boats or cars, motors, whatever it was. So Building from a young age. Yeah, yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely. So um, I uh, actually applied for an apprenticeship at Qantas Engineering. And um, <clears throat> it was a very, very difficult apprenticeship to get. I think it was about 5,000 applicants that went for that job. Wow. And uh, I had to do like interviews and aptitude tests and all sorts of stuff. And, um, you know, I remember thinking, oh, there's no way I'm going to get this job. And I, I just remember getting the phone call. So it was like a very, very uh, exciting time for me when I, when I got that position. Mm -hmm. uh, look, a couple, you know, needless to say, a couple, couple years later, I kind of realized that planes weren't my thing. Um, but it was a, a great apprenticeship to do. You know, I learned a lot uh, by working for an airline. Um, you know, things like quality, um, you know, attention to detail and processes, like airlines have incredible processes, Absolutely, you know. Yeah. So uh, a lot of those uh, qualities that I learned back then are still uh, ingrained in me today. Mm. Um, you know, so look, you know, I, I sort of left Qantas and went out in the world after that to find out what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. uh, I ended up getting a job as a mechanical fitter for an mm -hmm. engineering company. It was uh, out in Chipping Norton in um, Western Sydney. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I stayed there for a while. I didn't really like fitting work, so I taught myself how to weld. I stayed back at night time learning how to weld, yeah, wow. uh, mostly TIG welding. Um, I obviously learned from a lot of guys that worked there as well. And uh, I soon moved into doing welding as a full-time job. Was that purely driven from a likeness towards wanting to do those things? Yeah, just me, like just honing in on something I like and going after it. I've always yep. been like that. And um, 
so like I, I basically did pretty well at it. You know, I, I got up and kept kept going, and they um, they ended up getting me doing uh, sort of major um, fit outs for in, in sanitary environments. So mm -hmm. like uh, breweries, uh, water treatment plants, you know, um, abattoirs and, and yeah, stuff well. like that. Um, and there's a lot of smart people in that industry, you know, so I learned a lot there. Uh, and that was kind of my first introduction to learning about 3D design software mm -hmm. and uh, also like 3D scanning and all that kind of stuff. And I still remember like seeing it on site and the guys using it. And I'm like, you know, that's, that's what I want to do, you know. So, um, do you remember the software ads? No, no, I don't, oh, they were using SolidWorks at the time, but right. I remember like that time when I saw it and I, and I didn't know about Autodesk Inventor or any of those at the time. I just knew that I wanted to do that for a job because I have a yeah. really creative mind, right? So, you know, and it's hard to draw things on pieces of paper and I kind of knew that was my outlet to put what I had to offer, which was absolutely nothing at the time, yeah. uh, out to the world and how I was going to like create things with, with my mind and, and, and put them out there. So, um, yeah, that was the first time I saw that stuff and I, I knew I wanted to do it. You know, after that, I, I kind of got a bit sidetracked, actually. I um, went and uh, I bought myself a health club. And wow. I, I okay. opened a bar and restaurant. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. It's all part of the story, though, so I've got to tell you. Yeah. I opened a bar and a restaurant. And um, look, they're two industries I knew nothing about. So, like, needless to say, um, I worked really, really hard for a very long time. Yeah. Uh, and they didn't work out. So, uh, at the time, it was pretty, pretty dark times when I had to close them down. Um, but now I sort of look back at it from a more elevated position. And to me, it was just all, all part of the fun and all part of the process. But look, I've learned so much along the way. So like, you know, Qantas, you're learning about, like I said, like procedures and quality and attention to detail. Absolutely. And then you're like owning a health club. I learned a lot about customer service, uh, marketing, you know, like positive and social environments. And then owning a, owning a restaurant, a bar, you're doing like social media, like yeah. uh, cash flow forecasts, um, you know, once again customer service and then you start putting all this stuff together and then you align that with something that you really really like love doing and yeah. mate bang ifab steel absolutely and i think that's the beautiful part because you combine the entrepreneurial journey with yeah. building things and, yeah. and and here we are so ifab steel tell yep. me a little bit about them yeah, so look, IFAB still a uh, very young company. Um, you know, I've, I've had some pretty good growth over the last few years. So we'll go back about uh, four years' time. Actually, we'll touch off. So I had a couple of failures in business and mm -hmm. um, probably, you know, wasn't a very good time for me. Uh, and I remember saying to my wife, um, she's like, look, what are you going to do now? And I said, look, you know, like I can weld. I've got a creative mind. And I said, look, I don't, I'm too confused by everything. All I wanted to go do is just build cool stuff. You know, yeah. I don't really care about money. I don't really care where I end up. I just want to go do what I enjoy doing. Yeah. Um, so that's when I started IFAB and I, um, I actually found a builder in Kapalabar who had a shed and uh, he just used it as a storage shed mm -hmm. and it was fully decked out, man. Like he'd had a, had a bandsaw, forklift, welders, everything. Yep. And he just let me uh, use it part-time as I needed it, Perfect. which is really, really good. So I sort of I sort of hit the road. I started going to job sites, talking yep. to builders. Hey, mate, I'm Nathan. Mate, let me build something for you. Just smashing social media. Yep. Um, and then, you know, needless to say, I was like sort of, you know, I might get like a $10,000 job and he's just like, yeah, just give me a hundred bucks for the week. So I was like, no overheads or whatever. So it was a really, yeah. really good start for me. And um, yeah, and then I, that friend? <laughs> yeah, it was good, man. It was good. So I ended up uh, signing a lease on my own shed in Maruka and it was like a horrible shed. It was mm. a bad orientation. It was a grease box. I shared it with a mechanic. Mm -hmm. um, it was all chopped up cars in the street. I couldn't get trucks down there, but it was my start, you know? So yeah. look, um, you know, fast forward like three and a half years later, and now I've got uh, almost 30 employees. Wow. I've got about 1,400 square meters office warehouse. You know, we're doing jobs in just about every state and uh, quoting a few international jobs as well at the moment, mm -hmm. which is really exciting. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, I just I wake up every day and I love what I do. And I've got an awesome team, an awesome crew yep. that just kick goals. So, love mate, it. that's the basic story of iFab. Yeah. That's perfect. And, and I think that's one of the reasons I want to 
talk and highlight the parts that you actually do on a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah. Right. So one of the things that I get asked quite a lot when you're looking at what the design manufacturing, advanced manufacturing transitions, what does this new age look like? Because there's a lot of overlaps with the analog skills and the digital context and these new cool techs. There is a lot of confusion sometimes going, what's actually practical? What's actually being used in industry? So I want to talk workflow yep. and let's go. You kind of accidentally stumbled on it, working with Qantas, working, you know, doing your own skill sets yeah, and yeah, yeah. finding those things, but you've implemented in a proper way, right? So yeah. tell me about what the workflow looks like. So literally, how do you bring a concept and build something? Yeah, okay, awesome. All right, well, pretty much every single time that I open an email from an architect or a builder, I literally open it and go, <laughs> oh my God, how am I going to make this thing? Okay, I got to say, that, that's, that's a very normal thing coming from an architectural background. Yeah, yeah. It's something they tell you in uni, right? So <laughs> Yeah, fair enough. So like, I guess, um, look, all, all these creative ideas uh, and all workflow starts with a, with a meeting, um, like a buildability discussion. Mm -hmm. um, we uh, actually call it a Knights of the Roundtable meeting. Mm -hmm. uh, it was actually done by a guy that used to work for me. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's basically where I get together with my management team. And uh, we just sit down and we spitball ideas and we basically just talk about buildability, you know, and sometimes they can go for a long time. Um, these meetings, are, we discuss all sorts of stuff like uh, material types, thicknesses, like orientation in the workshop, you know, site safety, access, wh whatever it could be, you know. Um, and I'm lucky because the guys that work for me are really, really good at exchanging ideas and, and they're, they're happy to have their ideas challenged as well. Mm -hmm. You know, and I, I think it's very important in those environments to, you know, sort of leave, and, leave your stubbornness at the door because everyone comes from diverse and different backgrounds. Yep. So it's really interesting to see uh, what other people have to say and, and really, really understand to listen to, uh, like from their point of view. Yep. You know, I've, I've had an apprentice like say something to me before and you're just like, wow, mate, that's like a really, really good idea. You know, like yep. us buffets in the office never would have thought of that. Yep. So. Um, so yeah, I just feel like it's a really uh, important part and, and basically coming up with a really, really good uh, thought out procedure. And that's obviously how you're gonna be profitable on your jobs mm -hmm. by making sure you've thought of everything and had True. a lot of discussions about this. Um, you know, I guess the next thing we go into our uh, design side, which I think has been like a, a huge benefit for us and a big part of the growth of IFAB Steel. Mm -hmm. um, you know, for me, we, we, I feel like we go the extra mile with the client. Mm -hmm. We do a lot of stuff from, you know, basically providing, you know, online 3D models to photorealistic renders, you know, whatever, whatever it takes to make sure that uh, the product that we deliver is perfect. So like, for instance, um, I, was, uh, I was told once that a, a customer or a client will make up their mind about your business within the fir first five seconds of landing on your website. Mm -hmm. So it's for two me, seconds now, by it's the two way. seconds now. Yeah, everyone's, everyone's like too quick now. So <laughs> um, for me, I like to think it's the same thing for my social media account. Or if I send an email and they, um, you know, the first uh, first vision they get of my email, they're going to make up their mind pretty quick and determine the experience that they're going to have with your company. Mm -hmm. You know, so um, you know we always go the extra mile as much as we can and um, you know do the best we can. For, like for me. Um, you know, if I deliver a product to site and the client says, you know, that's, that's not good enough, I don't really like it, that's obviously a very horrible outcome for me. Mm -hmm. If I send something to site and the client's like, mate, I love it, but I wish I did this, mm. still not good enough for me, I need to send it to site and have the client go, mate, that's incredible, it's better than I ever expected. So always trying to give the client the opportunity to make changes before they even know they wanted them yep. has been very important to me. And look, look, as tradesmen, we don't all hit the mark, you know, like scaling a business really quick. I've definitely pissed off a few builders on the way. Of course. But, you know, I've always done my best to rectify and, and, and provide the best possible product I can. Absolutely. So. And I think I just want to highlight some of the key skills that come out of that. Like, they're usually the underrated skills. Yeah. At the end of the day, what you just talked about was collaboration. Yeah. Communication. 
emotional intelligence. Like yeah. they're not things that you can literally sometimes go to a course and study, especially, you know, while like, you know, when you came through high school and trades pathways and things like that. Yeah. Certainly the same experience for me. However, there are opportunities now to learn and hone in on those skill sets now, right? Yeah. So I think it's very crucial the listeners if if you're don't underestimate those <coughs> soft skills because they're the things that actually make the customer service better, help right. you collaborate with yeah. the team. And even the tradesperson sharing ideas. Yeah. That's great. That's initiative. Yeah. So that's perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Sorry. Didn't mean to cut you off. Continue. No, that's all right, man. I'm, we learn from each other, mate. It's all about learning, isn't it? Yeah. So that's why we're here. Absolutely. So, yeah. What happens after that? So uh, from a workflow perspective, yeah. software. Uh, okay. All right. So um, I guess uh, for us, the design part's probably been, yeah, like I said, one of the, one of the better parts. So I'll give you like a bit of an idea of like a run through the workflow procedure, like from a software perspective, to give you yeah. a bit of an idea. So um, for me, the like initial, uh, one thing that's very important to me is a very initial contact with the client. Like I spoke to you before, so they're gonna make up their mind pretty quickly about your company. Mm. So um, software for us, uh, we actually have like a web-based um, uh, program that one of my guys developed uh, mm. and it, it manages all of our inquiries and quotes. Yep. So um, it's a really, really powerful, really, really good program. Uh, basically, anyone else can look at it. It's got all the lead times for quotes. It, it breaks down all the um, awarded and non-awarded jobs in percentage-wise for states. So we can start getting a really good understanding of where uh, we need to place labor now and where we yep. may need to place labor in the future, like using our conversion um, data. Yep. Um, so that's like a really, really uh, good software for us as well. But um, you know, after, after we get quotes approved, um, we move on to the design stage. Mm -hmm. Um, so the first thing we do, obviously, is a is a site uh, site measure. Yep. Uh, and to do this, I've got a 3D scanner. Mm -hmm. So if, if any of your listeners listeners don't know what a 3D scanner is, it's basically a, a measuring device or a, a surveying uh, device. And the best way I like to explain it is that like you know like a laser measure, how you push a button and you get a distance back. Yep. Basically, a 3D scanner is a device that does that. You know, like you know one to two million times every second. So it just basically puts out millions of uh, measurements yep. and brings that back, and then yep. it formulates what we call a point cloud. And a point cloud is basically just a correlation of millions of um, Correct. Points dimensions. Of contact. Yeah, yeah. 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 So um, that's uh, a very, very powerful tool that we've uh, we've implemented as well. Mm -hmm. um, and the, the hardware is incredibly easy to use. You know, is even that Trimble? Oh, I don't use Trimble. I've got a Faro scanner. Right. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. yeah definitely. Um, so uh, basically, it's very simple to use. Even an uh, apprentice or even a kid could use it for that mm -hmm. matter. It's basically just push play. Mm -hmm. uh, the software side is a lot more difficult to use. And anyone that's worked with point clouds before know that uh, they are very difficult, very tedious. So um, after that, I, I use a program called Autodesk Recap. Mm -hmm. So Recap is, stands for Reality Capture. Mm -hmm. And that's a program developed by Autodesk to, uh, to handle and manage uh, point clouds. So we can cut them, crop them, yep. uh, change them and get them ready uh, for, for our modeling as well. Yep. Uh, and most of the stuff I use is, is uh, mostly within the Autodesk manufacturing suite. You know, I pretty much get asked two questions all the time on social media. One of them is, hey, what's the ballpark on that staircase? Mm -hmm. And the other one is, what software do you use? So yeah. it's always a hard question to answer because I use a lot of them, right? But I guess the answer that everyone wants to know, it's like the Autodesk manufacturing suite Correct. and discussing workflow, like working within that, yep. it definitely helps. So, And one of the things if you, if the listeners actually <laughs> want to understand the, because you're obviously using the industry level skill sets, yep. the more complicated softwares, not always easy as a kid to access those things all course, the time. Yeah. There's actually some apps that I found called um, Polycam, which, you know, standard iPhones and um, anything that has a LiDAR scanner, yep. most phones now do. Yep. Um, you can just 
map environments, cloud point maps yeah. within your own home, little yeah. models, and you can actually play with those models if you actually Absolutely, use yeah. It. I used one the other day. It was good. There you go. Yeah, because Auto, once again, Autodesk, like, they might not have access to it, but Autodesk, uh, I think it's just called, I think it's called photo recap or something like that. And yep. I think if you wanted to model, uh, sorry, you get, uh, get a 3D model of your chair or something, you actually just take 20 photos Correct. around it and it creates a 3D model of it. Yep. I don't know how accurate it is, but because I have a 3D skin, I haven't really of used course. it. But, <laughs> but yeah, so I guess after that, mate, um, we moved through to the, the design stage. Mm -hmm. um, and to do this, I predominantly use Autodesk Inventor. I've used it for many years now. I think it's a, like a premium software. I know it's a touchy subject for some people and it's like a, it's opinion based only. But no, that's totally fine. And I think that's what most listeners want to understand. Like how, what are the industry skills, right? Yeah. You have a plasma cutter here, CNC router, like that's great. Like, so how do you actually use that? Is that the primary application that allows you to handle the tools? Yeah, well, I'll get through, I'll keep going through and I'll get to it in a second yep. and I'll explain to you how we get through to, to sure. that process for CNC cutting. Um, so yeah, basically, basically all, all, the do, all the design work's done in Autodesk, Autodesk Inventor. Mm -hmm. um, my guys actually use SketchUp as well, which has also Love been it. a pretty uh, powerful tool. Um, once again, pros and cons. I'd never used it before, but they started using it. Yep. Um, and it's been, you know, the, the stuff that I'm mucking around with on Inventor and they just do it in two minutes on SketchUp too. So, um, you know, to, to just run you through some of the other programs, Rashan, we uh, also mm -hmm. use uh, Autodesk Navisworks. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've had much to do with that before. Absolutely, yeah. Yes, yeah, so Autodesk Navisworks has been a really good um, like overlaying tool for me. So if I've got a IFC file from a um, steelwork company, like a structural steel guy, I've got a Revit file from an architect, mm -hmm. uh, assembly file from myself and a point cloud, it's really good for overlaying and doing like clash detection and so forth Perfect. as well. Um, Mate, uh, Autodesk Nastran as well, have you had much to do with that? Not me personally, yeah, but so um, mainly because I've been in an architectural context. So yeah. Revit, yes, yeah. Uh, SketchUp, yes. Yeah. Uh, Navisworks have come through that from a building information modeling yeah. context, so yeah. not that one personally. Yeah, so <laughs> Nastran's a very powerful uh, tool as well. So it's used yeah. for doing like FEA analysis and structural frame analysis. I'm just sort of starting to learn how to use it now, so I haven't really had too much to do with it as well. Mm -hmm. Um, look, and then after that, I'll go through to another point which is very, very important to me, and that's uh, the point uh, basically providing my clients with a very, very visual representation of what their product's going to look like. So to do that, I'm starting to use Autodesk 3ds Max as mm -hmm. well. So that uh, actually provides like photorealistic renders. It's, a, it's also a design software, but mm -hmm. it, it's really, uh, really known for providing renders and um, also animations as well. So yep. like basically like really trying to show my clients what their um, what their you know investment looks like before they get it, and once again, just making sure there's absolutely no disappointment when they um, get it. And it's of course like much much cheaper for you to actually rectify any issues working with the clients at that point before you've built it. Mate, so it's a no-brainer. Hundred percent. I'm happy to spend a lot of time in that department and making sure. You, obviously, you've got a happier client, and like I spoke to you before about having that like set out procedure, just knowing exactly what you're making, making sure your client's part of that process as well. Mm -hmm. You're just gonna have a much better outcome, aren't yeah. you? And that's how you're gonna be profitable on your jobs and have repeat customers. It's pretty, it's pretty simple, man. So, you know, look after that, we'll go through, you know, to approval of our, um, of our uh, models and our shop drawings. Mm -hmm. um, we use Autodesk Inventor as well to do our shop drawings. It's, mm -hmm. you know, it, it, it's not the best for doing shop drawings. It's hard to automate things with it, but mm -hmm. it still works. Uh, and then we, yeah, we use AutoCAD 2D. We generate cut files like we are talking about before. Um, we use AutoCAD 2D to, you know, pitch them, rotate them, stitch cut them, put yep. part numbers on them, all that kind of stuff. And then that will go through into our nesting software yep. uh, for manufacturing. So the other one we're talking about today, we're obviously having to play around with the headset and everything is um, augmented reality. Mm -hmm. So um, it's something that I've been trying to implement in my company for a while. Yep. 
I'm sort of looking at doing it at, at two tier systems. So the first one would be how I told you, giving my clients a very visual representation of their investments. So basically being able to take a headset to, uh, to site and uh, you know, project a hologram of, of a, like let's say a staircase for instance at a one-to-one -one scale like in situ yep. so a customer can actually walk around it and see it and, and get a get a feel for it you know and then the other one we are trying to implement into our um, manufacturing process so basically what we're doing today how we're putting our holograms up in the workshop and yep. having the guys actually fabricate pieces to to a hologram you know so um they're the main ones that you know for, for workflow wise that's basically how we do it and a lot of the stuff is the rest of the stuff is done, you know, through traditional methods, welding, yep. fabrication, uh, trucks and cranes, and you know, nothing more important than a bunch of guys that just really enjoy what they do and are good mm. at what they do. You know, absolutely. that's the main one. And Better think, than any software. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> and, and that's where I think the cool part is: this these two worlds that it used to almost be separate, they're kind of colliding into this one bigger sphere with with a lot more moving pieces, right? Yeah. So I want to dissect some of those things that you mentioned. So the software capabilities, that's that's almost a given now. It's you know, the funny thing is with these CAD softwares, the learning journey is actually years. Like it, yep. it takes a while to actually play with it yep. and get good at it from yep. a skill perspective. So I think starting early, that's the key. Like yep. just playing with it, jumping on and modeling some basic things around the house. That's where I think things like SketchUp, of course, you can pick it up on a weekend. Yeah, that's right? what that's I did. So like when I first had access to a license, mm -hmm. I literally was modeling uh, coffee cups, computer chairs, Perfect. anything in my house. Yep. My wife's like, what are you bloody doing? And stuff. I'm like, <laughs> oh, just anything I could find. That's how I learned, man. Yep. Yeah, so I fully self-taught everything. 100%. So that's, that's the best way to do it, man. Perfect. Anything you can find, just get, a hand, get your hands on it and start doing it. That's it. And then on top of that, you talked about the tech that's coming on board now. And that's where I think there, this, this transition is the tradesperson or a client, it's the same technology, two different sets meeting in the middle almost, seeing this one-to-one -one design <coughs> come to life before it's actually in life, in yeah. real life. Yeah. So from a client perspective, have you found that virtual reality has come into play at all from your perspective? Not for me personally, like mm -hmm. to be fair, I think uh, like everything I've looked into at the moment, augmented reality is the, the one for me that works for me. I, I think yep. for like architecture and so forth, I know they're using virtual reality as well because you can put your- Bigger space. Yeah, you have a bigger space and, and so forth and you can actually put the client in the room where they can actually be immersed in it. Mm -hmm. From a manufacturing point of view, mm -hmm. I think AR, you sort of, you need mixed reality. Yep. You know, like basically even from a safety point of view, you can't have guys walk around I was with, with say VR. That. Yeah. yeah, so <laughs> it doesn't really work for manufacturing too well, so. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I just and with augmented up. reality, what's how do you find firstly the client? Like, what's their reaction when they see that kind of technology being implemented? <laughs> All right, so for the first five minutes, they just go, "Oh, how cool is this?" Yep. Like, so sometimes, like, it takes like ten or fifteen minutes just to go. All right, can we actually like focus go on the just, job? Yeah, focus on the job now. <laughs> so, so yeah, but look, at the end of the day, man, everyone's always excited by it. You know, I, I still take it. You know, I take, every time I take a three D scan, I decide. Everyone's like, "Whoa, what's that thing, man?" Like, so yeah. I'm always explaining to people what it is and. Um, you know, on building sites, you know, like, so it's, it's very, uh, it's very fun. You know, the guys love playing around with it and they love being a part of it. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it's, it's usually easy to get them involved in it as well. Yeah. And yeah. obviously that would give you, you know, it's the experience that people are loving. So the clients are going to love it. Yep. Tradesmen, they're loving it. Yeah. And it makes their job cool because they're getting to play with cool course, toys, man. right? Yeah. It's a great and marketing tool as well. Isn't absolutely. It? Yeah, so. Absolutely. And it makes your business mm. practices more competitive as well. So yeah. Love that. Now, when you're actually using augmented reality, that's the positive sides of things. So teams coming together, makes your business better, marketable, you're building things before it's actually built. Yep. What are the downsides? To AR? Today, yes. Okay. 
Um, so for me, uh, the software is great. Like, obviously, you were speaking to the guys from Fologram. Uh, they're yes. awesome, man. So they've helped us a lot you yep. know, throughout the process and trying to get, uh, get us involved in it and everything. Um, the downsides for augmented reality, definitely hardware. Mm -hmm. um, from a manufacturing point of view, um, the, I find the devices to be quite unstable. So when you're working with a tolerance, you know, like less than a millimeter, I find it a little bit difficult at the moment. So they do have their they do have their, their benefits in some areas, mm -hmm. but it's just definitely something I'm uh, trying to trying to get past at the moment. You know, like I told you before, like a Hololens, it's such a Microsoft product. So it like is. when you open it up, it's like, can you please enter your IP address and yep. blah blah blah. Um, <laughs> But another thing I'm really I find with the Hololens is just like a basically with any new tech, it's just a lack of help. Mm -hmm. So you know, if you um, like, if you want to know how to bake a cake or you or reset your iPhone, you're just going to go online and go, how do I bake Correct. a cheesecake? Yeah. And then you got forums and everything. If you go online and go, how do I turn on my headset? There's just nothing. So you're constantly trying to work out how to do this stuff yourself. Yeah. And that's something I find really really difficult. Like because at the end of the day, this thing's come out and everyone's like scrambling, you got like, mm. you know, they're using it for surgery now to practice surgery and yep. everything. So everyone's sort of scrambling to work out how to use it in their field. But it's just the, the lack of help, the lack of information around using it in manufacturing. Fair. It's probably the hardest thing. So like yep. you're the one that's sort of like, kind of like innovating and trying to push it into your company. So, Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And I think it's that transition. It's the early days of when, you know, when CAD first came about or, or even if you go back even more, when the calculator first came out into the world. Yeah. It was that forced evolution that, and we're trying to find our feet, like you said. It's, and I think that's where the exciting work can happen. The innovators can do what they need to do. Yeah. Now, putting aside the tech, thinking about what where the industry is going to go from an advanced manufacturing, your steel fabrication perspective. Yeah. What do you think is going to be? What do you think the industry is going to be like in the next five years? Five years. Um, hopefully not nuclear war. Let me start. True, that'll be good. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. I guess. Look, my point of view. All right, so AI is a big one, isn't it? That's the kind of beast that um, everyone's talking about. So I'm pretty excited to see how AI will integrate into design and automation. Okay. It's definitely something I'm keeping an eye on. Uh, I've been working on some stuff in the background, so I can sort of be at the forefront yeah. of that when it does happen. You know, the other thing uh, is, I guess, labor shortage. It just seems to be this ongoing thing, doesn't it? Everyone's trying to, you know, build more and there's just never enough guys. So I, I think there's always going to be a massive push for, like, you know, automation and manufacturing robotics as well. Mm -hmm. um, it's definitely something I want to get into. It's probably just not the right time in my company yet to do that, but it's something I, I certainly want to get into in the future. You know, so probably they're the two biggest ones, you know, and a little bit further, you know, it's definitely not an industry that I know much about, but. I think um, 3D printing will advance a lot more in, in the future. I've got this yep. theory that 3D printers will eventually become like a household appliance for people. Yeah, fair enough. So you've got these, uh, you know, warehouses and they're full of um, full of stock. You know, you've got, um, you know, like large power bills and all like staff and everything, all these huge overheads from these businesses. Mm. And I think with the environment, we should only be, uh, we should only be using what we need as we need it. So I kind of feel like, you know, eventually they'll become household items. Like if you need a phone case or knives and forks, you should be case. downloading be stuff great. and printing it, you know. <laughs> you probably talk to a lot of guys who do 3D printing. I don't know much about it, yeah. just a theory yeah. of mine, so I might be wrong. But that's kind of kind of where I see it going. But, but yeah, the big one for me is AI, man, and, and seeing how that integrates into How design. do you see that happening in the manufacturing context? Well, I guess the one for me is like, like I don't know, the, the vision I've got is having a chatbot uh, mm -hmm. like designing models for me you know I, I don't know how far out of reach that is yep. it, it could be soon I'm not sure 
Um, but I, I guess that's the biggest one for me. Like I'm, I'm learning automation at the moment. I'm doing uh, courses online about coding and stuff like that. So I, I'm trying to learn as much of this as I can and really try and integrate that into the into the business. Your um, continuous learning process hasn't hasn't changed at all. It, you know, back in the day, you were self teaching yourself the welding context and those skills. Never stop, man. Ever. Love that. Love yeah. that. And I think that's one of the most fundamentally underrated yeah. skill sets, yeah. right? L seeing learning as a lifelong skill set. <coughs> Absolutely, yeah. Continuous improvement. Yeah. Especially with this new age where these different types of analog skills and digital skills are merging, I think the skill there that overcomes all of that is actually continuous learning and that's not seen, that's not obvious to some man. people. Yeah, yeah definitely. My wife hates it, man. Look, every other, every other <laughs> night I'm literally, I've got a, like a PhD from the University of YouTube, I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good I, way of every, saying it. <laughs> every other night I'm literally on my computer watching tutorials. I, I do, you know, like online learning. I, I'm always um, doing courses and so forth. Yeah. Whatever it is, like any software, like anything I can learn, I'm always, I'm always trying to, um, yeah, get on top of it and, and be the best in my, in my profession. So. Yeah. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Well, going back onto the workflow. Yep. One of the things that we've we're now at the point of actually building the thing. So when you're when you're actually hands-on constructing what you need to build, what does that look like, and how does it actually go onto the site? Yeah. Okay. Like so, just like I mentioned before, for us, mostly uh, traditional methods. So. Like better than any anything else is just the guys that work for me at the moment. So like, you know, you can talk about all the all the stuff and what it takes in, in the workshop, but it, I think that building a good team environment first mm. and making sure you got happy staff is more important than anything, and, and they're going to take care of everything for you. Um, so for us, you know, I guess when when uh, it comes to the floor, we we start to use AR again, but um, mostly welding. Uh, we use CNC uh, laser cutters and plasma cutters to to cut all of our parts out. And, you know, for us, it's just like a lot of um, bending and forming and pressing and, you know, like the old school ways of, of doing it. And then same with site work, you know, once again, guys that are really good, good on site, good with clients, made, uh, you know, cranes, trucks, and, and just, and it's that really good procedure, yep. making sure it's across the board and everyone understands that. Absolutely. Yeah. And how do you approach failure? Like, is there is there room for movement to experiment things in while you're in the building stage? from a trades perspective as well as from an office design yeah. perspective? Well, look, you probably hear this all the time, everyone, like you flick through social media and there's every successful person saying, you know, you gotta fail. Like there was a saying I heard once, it was fail fast, fail forward, fail often. Yep. And it was something that stuck uh, by me for a long time. And, uh, you know, it's, it's so true. Like everyone says it, but it's so true, man. You need to keep failing over and over and over again to be successful. And, you know, most people like shy away or are worried about failure. I used to be one of them as well. Now I sort of embrace it and actually chase failure, you know. So you know, I think, you know, for me, um, I think it's best to try and avoid like analysis paralysis from a business perspective. Mm -hmm. You know, make decisions, make educated decisions, mm -hmm. uh, make wrong decisions, correct them and just keep moving on. Yeah. Just just keep moving, man. That's And I think that's where the valuable part is because failure is usually something we learn as we grow up, right? Like, and, and if a schooling environment in an education, we have tests. Yeah. We know that we have to pass something. So yeah. failure is usually seen as a very stressful thing. It's not okay to fail because you're going to be left behind or something like that. So then what happens is we learn and we, so whenever we're in the industry, we actually have to unlearn the fact that failure is okay. Okay. Yep. And one of the ways that I always look at it is we got to reframe it as either experimentation or yep. iteration. Yeah. Right. So failure is okay. That happened. Yep. Pivot, change, move, try, try the other thing, learn from it. So what you just said, love yeah. that. And where, so you've, you've kind of mentioned these key values already, like the communication skills, um, thinking about the customer's perspective. They're all embedded in my favorite topic and I always bring it back to it. Yep. It's, it's design thinking. Yep. 
What's your perspective on how does that fit into, from a trades perspective, from a you know entrepreneurial perspective? Yeah. What's your thoughts? Okay. So, like, oh, from a creative perspective, I guess, like, especially in design, um, creativity is everything, isn't it? You know, so, um, you know, like, I, I love creative people. I love um, being in a room with creative people, especially people when you're on the same wavelength. You know, like people, like I said before, um, you know, people that don't mind having their ideas challenged and so forth. And that's where I guess innovation's bred, isn't it? Mm. So, like, you know, innovation is creativity. All the best innovators Correct. always had creative minds, Absolutely. like Steve Jobs, whoever they are. You know, so um, for me, it's it's a very uh, important part of my role, and I've always had a creative mind as well. But um, not even from a design perspective, like from a business perspective, like you mentioned before, you know, you, you should be creative in all aspects. You know, like so, if you look at, you know, um, you know, how creative am I in my design? Mm -hmm. How creative uh, can I get with my resume for this job I'm going for? Yep. How creative can I get with my marketing? Any point of yeah approach. How creative can I get with my tax returns this year? Yeah. You know, so like whatever it <laughs> yeah. is, you know, you need to be pushing those boundaries Correct. and thinking outside of the box because at the moment, like every profession in my opinion, it's, it seems like so heavily saturated. Like mm -hmm. there's so many people doing the same thing and they do it very, very well. So you always need to think outside the box and be different. And like they say, if you, uh, if you have, um, you know, if you do average things, you're gonna get average results. You know, so yeah. be different, be outside of the box. Perfect, and, love yeah. that, love that. So uh, honestly, I feel like we can talk about it a lot, lot more in depth and go for the whole day. But in the interest of time, I do wanna yep. make sure that we capture your expertise and advice for students. Yep. Anyone that's interested in either running their own business, doing what you've done, or simply entering a trades pathway and building things hands-on, right? What's your advice for those? So like for success, I guess, in business mm -hmm. or in the oh, profession? Any, any, any student listening in, entering and keen on advanced manufacturing? Yep. What's okay. your advice All for right. that? Um, so if we're talking about like the key things that, like, that uh, in my opinion, that I would associate with success, I guess, look, I, I'll, before I uh, get, like, I tell you about uh, like points for succession in like a profession, I, I think it's probably more important for people to actually, or students, or anyone to try and understand what success means for them personally. Mm -hmm. Okay, so like when I like I said before, I had some failures in business. So that when this fell apart, like I was always driven by materialistic things, and most people associate success with with uh, wealth as Absolutely. well. So when I had businesses go bad, I kind of had to reevaluate and relook at this stuff and um, and actually think to myself, like, what, what do I need to be successful in life? Because I think it's more important to actually, like, identify that first and then so you have a bit of a goal to work towards before you, like, identify the, the characteristics that would define success in, in your profession. Yeah. So for me, um, I'll tell you a story, right? I've got a cousin, his name's Mark. Everyone loves Mark. He, he lives in Sweden and he's got an mm -hmm. offshore company over there. It's very successful. Cool. And he's a great guy, always happy. And I, um, I asked him once, um, what was your definition? What's your definition of success? Right. And he said to me, having tanned feet. And I was like, wow. what do you mean, okay. mate? He's like, he goes, mate, as long as I'm surfing every day, I've, uh, I'm going to the beach and I'm not working that much, I'm a successful guy. So, you know, like for me, I had to, I, I took that on board and sort of reevaluated what, um, what it meant to me. And like for me, you know, being successful for me means, um, you know, like being able to leave my business a couple of times a year to go on a holiday, mm -hmm. um, not having to work every night, so going home to my to my wife and family, and and uh, not not having a toxic relationship with my wife, mm -hmm. and uh, you know getting in a midweek game of golf. So basically, I think it's more important to actually work out what it means to you first before you can define what makes you successful in your profession. I love you, that. You need to have that end goal, man. Absolutely. I love that because seriously, you, you literally named the book that I published, which is the designing your own definition. Oh, of really? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Maybe I read it. <laughs> That'll be great. But <laughs> to quote the great Rashad. <laughs> but I absolutely love that because it's a natural inherent 
it's through self-reflection. At the end of the day, it's not <coughs> like rocket science. It's actually a normal human quality. Yeah. But instead of outwardly expressing it, it's purely looking inward. So yeah. I love that. But if you want to talk about qualities for success, I guess once again, you can go on social media and there's a million like successful people of great built great companies and so forth that can do all this stuff. But my, I guess in my opinion, things like um, like perseverance is just a massive one. So like mm -hmm. you mentioned it before, like I never give up on anything. Mm -hmm. I'll always keep going and going. I'll fail, I'll fail. I just keep trying and trying and trying. So mm -hmm. always persevering and, and always like being the hardest worker in the room, always doing more than the person next to you is very, very important. Um, you know, creativity is definitely one that we spoke about before. Mm -hmm. It's another very important part of is standing out and being different in a saturated world yep. uh, and being unique and finding a niche. Mm -hmm. Very, very important as well. Um, and the other one, a little bit off topic from profession is, you know, is for me is health, you know. So, like, I, I prioritise my health and it's, I've seen a massive change in my, you know, my business, my life at home, you know, the, my interactions with the guys that I work with and, you know, creates a more positive environment and, you know, manages stress better and Absolutely. stuff. And it's very, very important as well. So, you know, like, I, that's like I was saying, like, before trying to define the things that make you successful in a profession, I think you sort of need to reevaluate and look at the outside first from a higher spot and work out the things that are important in life first. 100%. I love that because you literally took the parts in my book and just broke it down. You, so I, might have, I might have read it. <laughs> love I that. did a quick uh, cream session in the bathroom before. <laughs> now, when it comes to, we, we talked about obviously <clears throat> workflow of taking something and you eloquently explained how the little details that come in between yep. from concept to all the way to the side, right? What, that's a very big part for educators to obviously translate to students going through high school and uni. Yep. What's your advice for teachers and the educators, especially in a high school environment? What, what can they do thinking about these, knowing what the workflow looks like now yep. and implementing those skill sets? Okay. Um, I guess for this one, Rashan, it's a bit of a tough one for me to answer. Like, like you mentioned before, I, I'm a massive advocate for self-learning, self-help, self-education. I've done it my whole life. Mm -hmm. I taught myself how to weld. I taught myself how to use 3D design software. I taught myself how to use 3D scanners. I, I've done everything myself um, throughout my career. So like, I, I don't have any uh, formal education in design or anything as well, which is fine anyway, it served my career well. But, you know, from for teachers, I guess, look, teachers always have their challenges around around funding and resources and so forth. Mm -hmm. But I guess the, the hardest part for them is gonna be the growth of technology and trying to keep up with that. You know, the way I look at the growth of technology, it was always linear growth. So, yep. you know, like basically, you would wait for something to be invented, then you would research it, implement it, mm. and then sort of move on to the next thing. Now the growth of technology is exponential. exponential. You can't keep up with it, man. So like the other day, I was reading an article about um, the guy who's putting 3D scanners in drones. I'm like, mate, that's sick, I've got to have this thing. <laughs> and then the same day, I'm flicking through my social media and I saw a CNC floor printer that mm -hmm. prints um, set out plans on concrete slabs for builders. And I'm like, wow. mate, that's sick, I've got to have it. And then I'm like, I'm still trying to implement AI into my business for the last yeah. four months, so you can't, you just can't keep up with Correct. it. So for me, that's going to be the biggest challenge for teachers. How to rectify it, I actually don't know because I'm not really in that industry, but I just know it's going to be a huge challenge for them. But like, I guess for you know, for any students or anything or any advice for students, I feel like. Um, you know, classrooms are really, really good environments. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you learn a lot of fundamentals from being in a classroom. And a lot of the time, the fundamentals you're learning aren't even about the topic that you're talking about. You know, True. like group thinking, group, uh, group discussions, and like socializing, making friends, networking, whatever it is. They're mm -hmm. great environments to learn. But I just kind of feel like um, they're always going to be behind the ball, and it's not mm -hmm. the fault of the teachers. It's mm -hmm. just that exponential growth of technology. So yep. they need to get out there, get online, you know, 
go that extra mile to be different and learn more from learn more. from different resources. And, and the ways of learning it are just different now. It's like anything, you know, like like you, new ways to make money, like basically even with housing and investments, like the things that worked, you know, 20 years ago, they don't work now. Absolutely. So there's, and, and people talk about that all the time. Like, um, I think you touched on it before about, um, you know, about teaching and learning as well. So uh, there's just like certain ways to, to do it now. And I feel like that's one of them. Yeah, perfect, perfect. Yeah. Look when if in any school or anyone listening to this episode wants to learn more from you maybe have a look at it look at what you're doing maybe work with you maybe become a client yeah how can they get in touch with you yeah just uh, all the normal ways mate so website uh phone email whatever it is we've got a great bunch of guys who are ready to kick goals and take on any project any complexity uh and yeah mate always reach out a lot of details i love it thank you so much for your time and one of the things that i'm always trying to do is end with a little bit of a mystery question and, I've, and I always oh, think no. in the last five, <laughs> five minutes like what should I be asking you yeah sure um, when it comes to steel manufacturing yep right let's work in your domain not too random yep. what's the one wish that you could have right now if it was an ideal piece of technology what would that be <laughs> oh god <laughs> I don't know I suppose look uh, managing staff is very difficult so okay. for me it would be a a robotic welder, I guess, of some sort. That would <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. I think that exists now. Yeah, yeah, so. it does. Like something that you just—I don't know. I don't know. Oh, that's a tough one for me to answer. I, I, I'm not sure. I, I guess for me, um, yeah, it would be some kind of. For me, like a wish to have in my company at the moment mm -hmm. would be would be robotics, cool. um, manufacturing robotics. I'd love to have them. I'd love to know about it. But it's just another whole beast that I've got to get involved in and, and get my head around. Yep. And I just need more space and, and a, a bigger place before I can do that. I love that because robotics, I think it's no longer one, one of those things where it's not for the Googles and the Amazons and the Apples of the world. It's absolutely becoming something part for small businesses, local manufacturers doing cool things. Yep. So I, I think your wish is not too far away. But I hope not. Yeah. Definitely. Thank you so much for your time, mate. That's been awesome. A lot of information. And mate, thanks for coming in. That's sick. Yeah, thank you. We'll drop all of those notes and everything that you mentioned into the show notes so people yeah. can access it. So I love it. Keep doing some good work. Awesome, man. Appreciate Pleasure. it. Thanks for Sean. Champion. Thank you. That's it for today's episode. Now it's time to take action and build on the learnings to get inspired. First up, jump on to rashansenanayaka.com forward slash podcast and check out the show notes, links and other relevant learning materials from this amazing episode. Next, if you learned something new today, click that subscribe button and set yourself up to receive live notifications on future episodes, as well as more opportunities to learn from our amazing guests, brands and speakers. Last but not least, it's time to have your say. Join the conversation and share your thoughts and feedback on today's episode with a review, all while joining many others with a five-star rating for Inspiring Design with Rashan Senanayaka. Till next time.